the world's greatest Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Mike L, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be continuing our uh, Spider-Man cartoon from 1994, like, recap uh, episode, like, playthrough. That's Walk right. Through, talk Walk through, through playthrough, talk through. We're yeah. going to be doing... Now, just for the record, we have been skipping episodes here and there, but going forward, we're going to pretty much do every episode for the remainder of the series. Ooh, and exciting. yeah, it's going to be fun. And to help us out this week, once again, Jolie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I'm doing none of the heavy lifting. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bex Luthor could not be with us this week, but no. we're going to make up for it by mm-hmm. being extra sassy and extra sarcastic this week, okay? <laughs> so. Perfect. We are reviewing three episodes of the show. Um, what was the name? Oh, yeah, this th- I forgot. This episode this features the- our very, very favorite Spider-Man mm-hmm. supervillain introduced in Spectacular Spider-Man, and his name is The Spot, and uh, we have been waiting for him to get his due. And he right. finally did in this episode. Uh, he's finally introduced to the cartoon, and G.I. Jolie, um, if you can just tell us quickly what happens in this episode. Yeah. So the spot is recruited after um, after him and another scientist in the lab kind of uh, develop these the spot technology right to travel into inter dimensions. They decide that they're going to rob banks and do all kinds of crime with all of these new spots because mm-hmm. the spots open up portals and then they find out that. Uh, sorry, Wilson Fisk, aka Kingpin, is like, I want you to develop the spy technology to get rid of Spider-Man. So that's kind of part of it, too. He ends up um, having this interdimensional spot black hole technology kind of like go onto his body. And he's able to take these spots, throw them in the air, put his hand through them, walk into them, pass through them, come come out in other places on Earth... Uh, and then he ends up using them to, like, rob a bank, and Spider-Man ends up fighting him, and that's pretty much the episode. Uh, overall, I thought it was an excellent adaptation of um, our favorite villain from the mm-hmm. uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, Al Milgram days, the late 90s Spectacular Spider-Man. This is one of the better episodes as far as writing and as far as animation. I know we talked about... How the animation was, we we felt like it was better in the first season, but I think it's bounced back. Yeah. So I really uh, like this one. All three episodes I found uh, that we're going to be talking about today, the animation is like spectacular. Yeah. Um, It could be that like it's the end of the season. They want to like finish things off like on a strong note. Um, And yeah, the you can tell that the budget went into these few episodes even compared to like the episodes before this were like the venom and carnage ones which i thought were pretty okay from what i'm remembering right these ones felt much better uh yeah. i found I yeah totally there's some agree. really great stuff in this um i love dr owns i love his like relationship with the scientist um oh i can't remember her name dr Ooh, I can't. Her, yeah, her, like, their relationship is fantastic. Um, Kind of like I had briefly talked about before um, on our, like, little bonus episode. I really like that 
the two of them kind of team up and we can kind of see their relationship grow from when they mm-hmm. both to- the both join the Kingpin's crew. Um, I also think it's way more straightforward in this than the comics origin of like how he gets his powers and what he's doing to even like what he's even doing with this experiment. Like it's very clear that Kingpin wants to make a machine to open up portals so he can spy on his enemies so he can figure out who Spider-Man is and capture him and defeat him right away. Like it'll finally give him the upper hand. Uh, there's even like so there's a lot of great things with Kingpin in this episode too. I love when he is fighting Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure after this episode, uh, even he is like fighting Spider-Man at one point. He's like, I'm 350 pounds, but my my body fat percentage is only two percent, which right. means I am all muscle. It's like, yep. wow, it's so good. It's great to see Spider-Man struggle against him. Right. Um, yeah, some great stuff. The fact that Kingpin has to turn and be like a good guy at the end or else he's going to lose as well. He has like a great line of something like, if the the entire world dies, it won't be good for business. It's right, just so right, great right. that he like, his whole life is being the Kingpin and like making sure that his empire is thriving. So yep. he like, he even thinks about his own life as a business. It's fantastic. It's great. Right. Uh, yeah. G.I. Lee, were you a fan of this episode? Oh my god. The one part where uh, her name is Sylvia Lopez. Which Thank you. Okay. He, I, I had to look that up really quick, but Kingman like uses her all but uses her pretty looks to lure the doctor, the good doctor, into working with them in the lab, which is hilarious. Mm. I love it. He was like uh, he was working for Tony Stark. Was he working for Tony Stark before? He just yeah, he was Stark. actually yeah, he was he was working for Tony, and then Tony was like, "Dimension hopping is way too dangerous. We're gonna stop that." So unfortunately, we're cutting all the funding to your experiment, but we'll mm-hmm. find something else for you to do at Stark Industries. And Doctor Owens is like, "I'm out of here. Fuck you. I want to keep doing this uh, interdimensional right. experiment." So yeah, like I loved everything about this. This is the first time I f- didn't feel confused, and the the comedy was hilarious. <laughs> All of the spot puns were like spot on. Yeah. And, do, you rem- um, do you remember any of them? Yeah. Well, Spider Man was like, um, when Spider Man's fighting the spot, he's like, "Oh, looks like, looks like that hit the spot." Mm. <laughs> <So> right. <laughs> uh, and then there was one where um, there were just like visual gags, which were really funny, and. Kingpin is envisioning the ways he would use the time the the dilator to like best Spider-Man and Spider-Man's just stuck to the side of a wall and then a portal opens above him and half of the Kingpin comes out of it and grabs him like so great. that's just ridiculous yeah but it's 100% Wilson Fisk <laughs> like mm-hmm. um what else is really good oh even even like the side drama or the B plot with like Felicia and Jason McIndale didn't feel shoehorned mm. in. It flowed really well. This right. is the first time I felt like I was watching um, like a well written yeah. drama. Especially like paired with the next episode. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It Cause, it cause, flows like right into what's going to be happening next in the ne- in next week's episode. Even like the spots origin and what he's been doing flows into the rest of the season. It's mm-hmm. yeah, they, they, they really know what they're 
doing in this show and they're able to like write it and have that through line even though they are episodic yeah episodes right so yeah yeah and like the spot the spot himself is like he's just such a confident once he gets all the spots um onto his body he just becomes this really confident character uh, character and uh the way the, the, like the voice actor is perfect the the through line for his character's direction is kind of perfect and there's just something there's just something so charismatic about this spot character that i really really like right and um and even in the end when they're working together it was like okay well i guess i guess i'm working with spider-man now and they <laughs> he's like well i know where there's a bunch of power that will power the dilator to power the spots on you and um they end up sucking it out of the plane the very plane that they're standing on which like kind of seemed like it might be a problem in <laughs> yeah. a second but yeah yeah everything was like believable the like this the pseudoscience was believable and um, mm-hmm. It wasn't like too outlandish, and the right the, there was there were like a crazy amount of jokes. Like I found myself chuckling stupidly at some of them, and then um, it, the, the the sort of resolution where F- Spider Man figures out how to kind of get the better of the spot because it looks like he's unbeatable at this point. Up until this point, there up until a point, I should say, it seemed like the spot was like unbeatable, like. Spider-Man wasn't able to get his hands on him at all until he figured out the way he, like he did it with Doctor Strange in No Way Home that it was all math. Mm. Um once he figured out really quickly that this portal opens up right. into another portal, he he started to figure out very fast that and yeah, that, I think they, that's when the joke comes in where he's like, "Well, that looks like that hit the spot." Yeah, they also did like a um I say it like they referenced Far From Home, but it's the, almost like the opposite. Yeah. But it reminded me of this of the ending of Far From Home with Mysterio and him having to completely rely on his spider senses because he didn't know what was real or not with Mysterio's like holograms. So he had to just kind of like close his eyes and feel with the spider sense where mm-hmm. the danger was and punch in that direction, which was a, which he was able to like punch through a dimension and. It, came through the one that he knew that was great yeah yeah that's that's so good um i also really love the stuff with mj yeah like even that mm-hmm. is really well written they're they're really setting up for later what's going to happen in the third episode we're going to talk about but through all of these episodes they're really kind of showing peter and mj's relationship and the fact that uh peter has always struggled with his love life and not being able to like balance it really well and Mm -hmm. his fear of like putting his loved ones in danger and he's kind of like come to terms with it and he's staying with mj and he's like really working on that like superhero real life uh you know balance and we see that in this one right at the right at the start with like the carnival and he's got to kind of rush away and then we'll see it again in the next episode and it all kind of like comes to a head in the third final episode and when like his his superhero and his alter ego really clash and and become one and it's just a really great arc watching these three at the same time 
Right. Now, I want to point out, we, we've been talking a lot about the writing of this episode and how much it's standing out. Well, first of all, it was actually written by a guy named James Krieg, who only wrote a handful of episodes, only one episode before this, the Hydroman episode. He wrote hmm. this episode, then he goes on to write Carnage, Turning Point, The Return of Hydroman Part 1, and and really, I really, really hate clones. Um, oh, which is like the finale. Okay, okay. Yeah. So there you go. Apparently, he got noticed because he did a fan film called called um, Viva Spider-Man. And that kind of got oh, him wow. noticed. Stan Lee read one of his scripts and said, Jim Krieg writes well, but he doesn't get Spidey. So maybe he did like a second draft for this one. But anyway, uh, mm. I thought the writing was definitely standout in this one. Um, and, you know, the regular writer, which is uh, John Semper Jr., he's a definitely a good writer. But the fact that we all noticed how much sharper this one was mm-hmm. i kind of uh we can we can give credit to james Craig for that so yeah maybe it was him there with the assist or not i don't know mm-hmm. right so yeah i mean i don't know what to say i mean we've all you know the thing is is the spot is so clearly a good right uh character and i was actually thinking why is it that he's not taken seriously why did he disappear from the comics for like 25 years and i was thinking maybe it's because of his name the spot right like it sounds something mm. sounds like something you don't want to have on your pants somewhere uh maybe if he had a different name like i don't know what like polka dot or i mean um, even if he just didn't have an alter ego and they just called him called him dr owns that's great well but w- is that a pun though his name like w- w- how do you spell his last name o-h-n oh but is I think- that I yeah, think, but that wouldn't catch on. That's not a cool supervillain name, you know? Because the spot yeah. is so much cooler. Well, the spot at least reflects what he is. Like, like again, hey, if you guys got something better than Polka Dot, feel free to share. Because that's all I can come up with. Yeah. He made a joke about um, him looking like he should be at a firehouse. So, like, mm. Dalmatian. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. The Dalmatian. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Anyway, so let's think about Dr. that. Dr. Dimension. Dr. Dimension. Ooh. Okay, yeah. There you go. So there you go, listeners. <laughs> Feel free to write in and suggest new names for the spot mm-hmm. to make him more respectable. And then there, maybe he can be in the next Spider-Man movie, right? Well. Oh, wait a minute. He is going to be in the next Spider-Man gonna... movie. <laughs> Holy yeah. moly. It worked, guys. 140 yeah. episodes and we got our wish. Yeah, maybe. I'm going to... Uh, 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 attribute that to us, honestly. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, somebody at Sony Animation is listening to this podcast right 100%. now. 100%. <laughs> Josh is furiously sending it to <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really just me, like, constantly emailing them, like, okay, fine, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's safe to say we all recommend this episode. It's one of the better ones we've, de- we've seen, right? For sure, yeah. All right. Now we're going to jump to the next episode, which we call Goblin War. And coincidentally, for those who are regular listeners, be sure to tune in next week because we're going to be covering a different Goblin War in the comics, and it's going to be a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. Uh, So in this episode, um, now, for those that don't know, the cartoon follows a different chronology than the comics. In the cartoon, the Hobgoblin is introduced first, then the Green Goblin. So for old-timers like me, it gets a little bit confusing. Um, But... In this episode, they finally end up confronting each other, but we get a really cool scene of like Peter Parker going to this party and 
you know, running into Harry Osborne, who used to date Mary Jane, but now Peter's dating Mary Jane. So there's that classic Peter Parker, you know, soap opera melodrama, right? And then uh, uh, the main event of this episode is that Green Goblin and Hobgoblin finally get to face each other on their goblin gliders. It's fingers blasting everywhere, right? <laughs> it's people flying everywhere. And uh, and they, they actually, I, I completely forgot about this, but they actually, um, the, the little doohickey device, it looks like an old Polaroid camera, but yeah. that's the thing that That's the actu- dilator. Yes. They end up stealing, like fighting. It's like the MacGuffin of this episode. They end up fighting over the dilator. Also... Um, Hobgoblin ends up revealing his identity to his fiance, which is Felicia Hardy. And I kind of didn't realize this as we were going along, but Hobgoblin in this TV show, um, his secret identity, I mean, and old time cartoon fans will, you know, dismiss me for not knowing this already, but he has a different secret identity than the one of the comics. Did you guys realize this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. I, I just didn't even notice, but it's, um, what is it? Philip? Jason, looking. Is it Mackendale? Jason Philip Mackendale. Yeah. Wait a minute. Is that it's right? Mackendale. No, no, but it, but it's like it's like is it Philip Mackendale? Jason. Hold on. Uh, I think they call him. Yeah, he has like two first names. Okay, yeah. okay. So he's yeah. kind of like a combination of Jason Mackendale and uh, and I think Jason it was, Mackendale. <laughs> yeah, and I I think it was to kind of hide a little bit who he he was right because at this right. point in the comics like in the 90s it is jason mackendale that is hopgoblin so it makes sense that they would introduce mackendale as the hopgoblin in the show and especially with the mess of the introduction of the first hopgoblin yes um, and i think to kind of hide it a little bit they changed his name to philip like right. Philip Jason Mackendale, so that way they could just call him Philip throughout the show, and then the right. reveal is this is Philip Jason Mackendale, and everybody's right, like, right, oh. right, yeah, right. So, so I mean, this episode again, they're on a streak here. This was another good episode. I enjoyed every minute of it. Mm-hmm. I love the Green Goblin. I love the Hobgoblin. I love seeing them fight. Um, I think they're again. They've kind of bounced back a little bit, and I thought this one was really good. Um, what did you guys think? Yeah. It's it's great. Mark Hamill is the king of uh, s- superhero supervillains. Honestly, I think he's perfect for the Hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a point where there was just cackling happening, <laughs> and I was like, he could just cackle for the whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he just communicates and cackles. <laughs> yeah, the I, I think like Mackendale especially is more like loose. He has he has a few more screws loose than even Norman. Norman, mm-hmm. it feels like there's kind of like a balance between Norman and the Goblin, and there's like that struggle. Where Hobgoblin, when when Jason puts on the mask, it's like there is no Mackendale. He's just turned into this like wild, like loony villain. Right. And Hamill, I think, really lent like his voice is perfect for this role and how it's portrayed in, in, in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I surprisingly like all the stuff with Felicia Hardy too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I was worried that I wasn't going to like that, but it's, it's interesting to see um, like an actual struggle with like a love triangle 
where it's like Peter is in love with MJ and Spider-Man is in love with Felicia, right? So they kind of have this like weird dynamic going on between the three of them. Like Peter is struggling because he's kind of like stuck. He loves MJ, but for some reason he's like still attracted to to Felicia when he's in the costume and uh, trying to kind of like push her away and like knowing that he wants to be with MJ. And then she's kind of like reluctantly marrying uh, uh, Jason McIndale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. G.I. Jolie, like what do you think? Yeah, just to kind of float off of what Josh was saying about the the tertiary characters in the episode there's it, there's just something that i really like about the way that they're written in these these few episodes um like the felicia that we get in this show is not the felicia that i've been reading about in these mm. books they're destroying that character and that there's there's one dimension or there's like three dimensions or whatever how many dimensions there are to like a normal person three uh, I guess three. I guess three. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, there's one solid character in the show, and it's consistent. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was the Felicia in the comics, but it was a different. I was reading three different Felicias, mm. and it was. It's a. I. I feel like I don't know who the character is based on the comics. I know that. I know that there are several different personalities. That black cat takes on. I don't know which one is the right black cat. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It's it's very inconsistent the way that she's written in the comics. And we don't really know which one we're getting when mm-hmm. we sit down. Like sometimes sit down to read. Sometimes she's a good guy. Sometimes she's bad. Sometimes she's in love with Peter. Sometimes she hates him. Like she's so inconsistently written. Even her like powers are inconsistent like does she still have them does she not have them is she obsessed with peter does she want to be with peter or does she only want to be with like it's it's never clear in this we definitely have a more clear character with her same with deb in in the show like Mm -hmm. justice for deb we uh they they're able to kind of like flesh out these tertiary characters and really give them a reason yeah. to be in the show and like an actual story point. Yeah. And it's like someone is actually paying attention. They're yeah. like, oh, okay, well you can't write Deb this way because she's already been written a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that would be very confusing. And you would think that that level of editing would go into a comic book that's released right. monthly, but apparently yeah. it's not. So, right. I yeah, there's just something about the characters, this, the characters in the show that is that is just like it, mm-hmm. it's really stellar. I didn't it, really enjoy like the last few episodes that we had watched, but these three, mm. yeah, those Venom Carnage ones were messy for sure. Yeah, uh, but they they continue this Felicia story as well. Like in like the next few episodes, mm-hmm. we kind of see how she evolves from like being in love with Spider-Man and also kind of torn between Spidey and uh, Jason. And then Mm -hmm. what happens in the aftermath when she learns that this person that she was in love with is a supervillain. And then the other person is kind of like pushing her away because, you know, she doesn't really know why, but you kind of see that evolve in the coming episodes too with her character. And uh, yeah, I love her character a lot more in this than in the comic so far. Mm-hmm. I, 
don't think I've read a comic with her that is as good as how she is in the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even Mary... Okay, just one final thought about the whole mm. thing, the consistency and whatever, is, like, that even Mary Jane is consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, a Mary Jane, who got ditched in the last episode and was, like, mad about it, in this episode, it continues. The through line of her pissed-offness continues, mm-hmm. where Peter's tracked her down into the, the park, and she's walking around with Liz Allen, and she's like, Liz, can you tell Peter to GTFO? I hate him right now. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like, it, it makes sense. And then later on, when she's like, uh, you know what? She 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 does things as a character that we all wished that the Mary Jane comic character yep. did a few times, which was, you know what? I know that you're Spider Man, and I know that you kind of have like these this, live in this dual world. It's your job. I should really, you know. I shouldn't be this mad about what happened. Right. And and I think the good thing, too, is like she she still doesn't know that he's Spider-Man in the show, but she oh. knows that when he runs off, it's to take pictures for his job. Right. Oh. So like she still is like, I know you have to do this because it's your job and you have to go take pictures and follow the danger. I just feel like I'm constantly being ditched because you're always leaving to do work s- stuff. Yeah, so okay. it, it feels like even more justified almost that she's angry because she's like, you're going to fucking go take pictures. That's why you're leaving our date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where right. If, if it was like her going and being him going, leaving just to be Spider-Man to save people, I feel like you can make an argument how it's like, you know, I have a responsibility to do this. I need to leave and, and do it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really like how she's written in this. And then even in the. The next episode, he's late for a date at a restaurant and he's she says a comment like uh, he he runs he's like, sorry, I'm late. And then she goes, well, you're actually right on time for Peter Parker standards. Mm-hmm. You're always about a half an hour late. Like it's and, and then like just kind of continues like she's kind of accepted this about Peter Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I, I know her. Yeah, her character in this is really fun. Yeah, mm. and I'm, I'm I, I, glad I, you cleared. Sorry, go ahead. I'm glad you cleared up all this stuff about the hobgoblin, um, green goblin introduction thing because that was very confusing for me. I was like, wait, yep. what's happening here? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now I have a little trivia, not a trivia question, but I have a little opinion poll for you guys. Hmm. Who do you like better? As far as voice acting goes, the Green Goblin from the 80s cartoon that I like so much or the Green Goblin from this show? Do you uh, remember the, the Green? Uh, I don't remember particularly from the 80s, to be honest. We did review it on the show. Yeah, but, I, I, can't, I just can't picture uh, it in my head. Jolie. I think, that, I think it fits. I, I will say it fits really well in this show, I find. Um, and I, I like that I like his voice changing from Norman to Green Goblin. I think it's a great, the fact that they play off each other so well. And then the next episode, we actually see like conversations between the two of them. Right. And it's totally believable. It feels like it's two different voice actors almost at times. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do really like this one, but I can't remember the 80s one, to be honest. Well, to be honest, the reason I asked you is because I was trying to trick you because it's the same voice actor. Neil Ross did both. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's that's really cool. 
Neil Ross also voiced Springer um, <laughs> uh, on Transformers, a bunch of other yeah. people. Who else did he do? Dusty on G.I. Joe, Hook, mm. and Bone Crusher. And, and on, yeah, he was a mainstay of those 80s uh, Marvel Sunbow productions. So I was just kind of making a little joke there. Oh, I was fun. joshing you, Josh. Yeah? Anyway. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's that's really cool, though. I think that, yeah, he, he's a great goblin. So Right. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, okay, so that episode was on, uh, one of my personal favorites because I love all the goblins. Green Goblin, Hobgoblin. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, so I recommend, <laughs> I recommend the only this two episode. Yeah, the only two. Uh, Josh, you recommend this episode? Uh, yeah, for sure. All right, G.I. Julie, you recommend it? No, absolutely I do. <laughs> cool. Okay, so now we're going to jump to the third episode that we're going to review. And G.I. Julie didn't see it. But she's still going to talk synopsis. about synopsis. Okay, that's good enough. Uh, I, I feel Josh... like this is the most. Yeah, I'll, I'll recap this one real quick. This okay. is also, I think, the most like simple one that's happened so far. Like it's okay. really straightforward. So honestly, even a synopsis, you kind of get what happened in this one. Sure. Um, Goblin in the last episode gets sucked through a portal, and he uses the last bit of juice from that like machine to come back. And he decides to fix it up and he's going to use it to spy on Spider-Man to figure out who he is. And he finds out that he's Peter Parker. So then he kind of starts like toying with him and MJ and he like forces Harry to invite him over to his birthday party and then interrogates him at this like big dinner. And um, it leads to like him almost revealing who his secret identity is there. And then like an explosion happens at the party and everybody evacuates. So Peter is, uh, dons the Spidey costume. The two of them fight. Uh, he goblin disappears and goes through a portal and says, he's going to target the ones he loves. So he has to race over to Aunt May's cause she's in danger. And really it was actually a trick to get him far away from MJ and he uses a portal to portal over to MJ once he gets to Aunt May's house, which I thought that was really clever. That was a super fun thing that they did. Um, so uh, we have this final battle on the Manhattan Bridge. Well, Brooklyn Bridge. Was- Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn Bridge. George Washington Bridge. Sure. Are you sure? Isn't it? I thought there was only the. Well, I don't anyway. I think there are two. I'm not sure. There's more than one. It I is know a double deck yeah. suspension bridge. There we go. Spanning the Hudson River, which is the one that he's always crossing. So. Can you tell right. we're from Canada? Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. There is a Manhattan Bridge. I didn't know that. Yeah. Brooklyn Bridge, Manhattan Bridge, George Washington Bridge, Ed Koch, Queensboro Bridge. It's- Okay, so it's anyway, one of them. Then, it's one of those bridges. Yeah, uh, and it's very reminiscent of the night Gwen Stacy died, because yes. um, MJ disappears in the water after Goblin throws her in, um, and uh, it all kind of comes to a head when the machine breaks and there's this portal that is sucking uh, Harry Osborn or sorry Norman Osborn into the portal. And Spidey tries to save him, but uh, just like in the comics with the death of Norman Osborn and Green Goblin, he is uh, sabotaged by his own glider and is knocked into the portal, never to be seen or heard from again. And um, uh, we have like a final confrontation with Madam Web after everything that happens, because Madam Web this whole time has been talking about this like 
big thing that's coming to be wary of the man with two heads, which it was Green Goblin and Norman being like the same person. Um, and uh, she kind of leaves off with this message that like there's this you're the chosen one. There's this big event that's going to be happening and you can't escape your destiny. So I'll never talk to you again. But when the time comes, I'm coming to grab you to help out for this thing because you're the only person that's going to save the universe. And then the episode ends. Um, and yeah, we've been kind of getting this like Madam Web thing throughout even like the start from season one. We've had her kind of like hinting at these like larger things that are happening. Um and it's like building to this like big secret wars event that's right uh that's coming and i think they're doing a pretty good job of like uh like tying in that through line and like sure yeah this is all kind of leading up to it yeah it's I super mean, fun here's the thing i've said before yeah. i really do like madam web i don't necessarily like how mystical they're making her in this show. Like mm. I, I, I'm not a fan of the whole idea of destiny and all that stuff. It, it does work in fantasy um, genres like, you know, Harry Potter and stuff like that, but I don't think it works in Spider-Man, but whatever I can, I can accept that. Mm. But um, other than that, I thought this episode was pretty good. I like the fact that it leads you down the path to make you think that it's going to be like a repeat of the Gwen Stacy right thing on the mm -hmm. Manhattan yeah. bridge or whatever one of the 10 bridges this is. <laughs> right. um, uh, but I also like the way it ends. Cause it ends on a cliffhanger, right? Like mm -hmm. is Mary Jane dead? Is she, is she disappeared into the spot dimension? Right. We, we don't well, know. I think we, I think we do get a reveal that um, MJ is like falling mm. through endless portals. Yes. At the yes. End. Not yeah. dead, but you're right. Yeah. She's lost forever. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Overall, yeah. like to be honest, when I read the turning point thing, for some reason I had it in my head that maybe they were going to do the marriage because I haven't seen this series in 30 years. So right. I thought maybe they're going to do the marriage or hint at the marriage, but I didn't realize they were going to kind of do the Gwen Stacy thing, but just do it with Mary Jane. So, I mean, again, this is like a, they're on a winning streak. This was another good episode. I thought it was really good. Uh, G.I. Jolie? Yeah. Sounds really awesome. I love oh, that. Right, that's right. I forgot you didn't see it. <laughs> the yeah, only Madame time you remember is really cool. to come and get come and get opinion. I right. <laughs> Oops. God, yeah, I, cut that part out. Okay, go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I like that she's like a sorcerer. She she feels very like mystical, like, more yeah, like, like Doctor Strange sisters than anything. And, uh, Macbeth or something. Yeah. Or a uh, Greek, whatever it's called. Well, yeah, I think it's super Oracle fun. Oracle Delphi. The whole arc is the whole, whole arc is called Sins of the Father, which is like a quote from Shakespeare. Right. So it's Can I also point out oh go ahead. I said it seems very mystical and appropriate. Also, she's mm -hmm. in a chair. Anyone who's in a chair, I'm used to being like an oracle. <laughs> right. What? You know, I, I gotta admit, I, I criticize writers left and right, and I've criticized Denny O'Neill, but Gosh darn it! If Madam Web is not a great freaking supervillain, what a great design! Mm -hmm. What a great idea, right? And yeah. apparently, she's gonna be—is it? Is she gonna be in Spider Verse? Or no? She's no, gonna be in the she's next movie. It. She there's a spider. There's a Madam Web solo movie. That's that's happening. it with yeah. Dakota Johnson, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So anyway, that'll be pretty interesting. Web chair. Yeah, I. <laughs> Yeah, I think that it's a more interesting it's more interesting to have her like this than her introduction in the comics where she was like 
just like a fortune teller, I think. But she was like hooked up to this machine. I kind yeah. of like that she's like this other dimensional being that knows this like dimensional war is going to be happening. So she's kind of like finding the hero that's going to save it and like helping him yeah. kind of like become the hero that will uh, that'll be there to save the day at the end. So it's kind of fun. Uh, I oh yeah, I really like the the um, the 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 switch with with Gwen and MJ too. I think it's um, for a show like this that's very limited, right? Like the comics have happened over decades, so they are they're able to kind of like do these different things with characters like Gwen Stacy. They introduced they were dating for years and together in the comics, and then they were like you know probably close to getting engaged or something and then they kill her off so they can kind of like deal with that story in like the decades they have time to talk about just Gwen and then later on decades decades later they can introduce MJ and and like really build their relationship but for a TV show you have very limited time for for a cartoon like this so to like choose okay we're gonna focus on MJ and make that the love interest um, let's pick out the best stories and the most iconic ones and kind of change them and swap them up a little bit and adapt them. So it makes sense for this version of Spider-Man. So having MJ be the one that's lost in on the bridge and like giving her the Gwen story, I think is super smart. Uh, it ties it, 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 it both like references that and it's kind of like a retelling of that story while also like tying it into what's going on in the like other dimensions and um, uh, Spider-Man, like slowly learning about these other worlds and like being able to like transport himself to other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's super fun. Cause yeah, we, we haven't really seen him go to another world yet. We're, we're just seeing these like dimension things pop into another place on his same earth. So it's really like slowly introducing to this like Spider-Verse thing. I think they're doing a great job with it. I, I also want to point out that we have already commented about how much better the animation is in the last few episodes. I think this one could be the best one. Yeah. Like the even just looking at the stills on the uh, .fandom.com mm. page, the expressions on the faces in this episode are excellent. Like yeah. uh, it just reminds me of how much I love cartoons i love cartoons i love watching cartoons at night when it's dark out and the light from the tv is the only source of you know illumination and when the animation's good like this it's perfect it's perfect for superheroes mm-hmm. i mean i love live action movies but let's be clear cartoons are a better uh medium i think for superheroes i think mm-hmm. and i think this yeah. one not every episode's great but it's episodes like this i think are doing a really good job of uh adapting these characters yeah the the editing and the animation in just like the first scene of this mm-hmm. episode too is just so good the stuff with madam web and how like distorted things are in her like little pocket dimension that she's in mm-hmm. and like the weird like angles and like fisheye like lens angles that they have going on in this and like the perspective being weird in this weird zone is so fun um i don't think that they've ever done anything with like uh 
the camera focusing before either. But in this episode, they have like a close up of Madam Web and then she like brings in her phone or whatever, like the mm. her like computer that she like shows to Peter and the focus changes like her hand is blurry and then it becomes clear at the same time as her face becomes blurry. Interesting. Like I'm going to look do, for that right now. Is that near the beginning? Or yeah, the r- right near the beginning. Um, okay. She kind of like, uh, it's like after Spider-Man's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Okay. She's got I'll like the cards. Yeah. And then like she brings in the, she brings in the cards with like okay. the dragon on it into frame and everything in the background turns blurry as we're focusing on the, the cards. Like, I don't right. remember anything like that being done in the show it's just very cinematic in this one for sure right right uh it's at like a minute 30 like 35 okay if you're looking it up right now i'm looking it up yes i'm looking it up right now and i see it it's awesome yeah you know what i want to point out i I don't know as much of an animation as you because you're a professional animator but things like that don't really cost more money right they're just more creative Right? Yeah, I feel especially for 2D, I feel like it's it would be very simple. Right. Um, this is, I'm assuming, cell animated. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I assume it's just a matter of it being two different layers and you blur right. the one while doing the other. Um, it is different for 3D animation um, because like in 3D animation, there's like an actual digital camera and you would change the focal length. Right. Um, uh, so, or, or they, they might even do it, um, like post-production doing that, sure. um, the focal length change, but, uh, yeah, something like that just, just adds so much, I find, uh, uh to, to a shot or like to the storytelling part of it. It's, it's really great. And well, I, the, yeah, I don't remember that at all on this or well, really the, in any like cartoon like this. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, again, I love cartoons, but I I think one of the criticisms, criticisms I have of modern cartoons is that it's like I just said, um, a shot like that does not cost extra money. Suspense does not cost extra money. Mystery does mm-hmm. not cost extra money. The only thing that really costs extra money would be like um, the fluidity of the animation or, say, the number of characters in a shot, right? But right. if you're like, you could... Uh, direct an entire episode just based on, uh, like, say, the, the Hitchcock rules of suspense. Or uh, you could do, like, a Charlie Chaplin-type comedy thing, which is which is what Bugs Bunny used to do. Like, they, mm-hmm. they use kind of the same rules of comedy. So even though I do love cartoons, I feel like a lot of modern cartoons, they kind of um, forget a lot of the lessons Right. Or of like tradition and history where it's like, no, you know, you can, like, even if you're doing a kid's show, you can do suspense. You can do, you know, you, you can, you can control the frame. You can control how long you hold on a shot. And I think mm-hmm. the example you just gave is a perfect example of where they got creative just in the timing of the shot and yeah. where to put the focus. And I think that's great. Yeah, there's another moment too that really stuck out to me in, in the okay. show. It's at like six at minute, like 16, 16 minutes, 40-ish seconds. Spidey's okay. uh, in the Hudson looking for MJ. And yep. uh, he looks up to the sky and starts talking to Green Goblin. And Green Goblin 
is like talking back to Spidey. And instead of it being like a close up still of his face, him just like looking down at Spider-Man and saying his line, he's still like circling around on his glider. And as he is circling, his head is like turning to keep focus on Spider-Man the entire time. And then when he like, when his head can't turn anymore, he turns his head in the completely opposite direction to like keep making eye contact with with uh, Peter in the water. It's just so like normally a shot like that would have just been like close up or like the background would be moving and he's just like moving forward or something. But something like that, I I find just adds so much to like the acting and making this like fun and believable. Because let's be clear, they can, they, I, I, I mean, they want to cut corners wherever they can to save money, yeah. but that's an example where you're right. They could have just had, you know, you, you know, those, um, those like Hanna-Barbera 60s, 70s <laughs> cartoons where it's just a big close up of the guy's face, but they have to remember to blink every 30 seconds. So it looks like an actual human. Yeah. They could have done one of those shots, but here they went overboard. You're right. And they had him mm-hmm. flying around on his goblin glider. So it was great. That's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um... Overall, again, they're on a winning streak. This was a great episode. And mm-hmm. yeah, I want to thank you for calling attention to things like I definitely didn't notice. So it makes me appreciate the animation even more. Like, I don't know. It, this this show's great. Um, yeah. And here we are, what, 35-ish years later? And we're still raving about the animation. So that's that's a good... Is it yeah, 35? like 20... 20 yeah, o- 20, over 25 years I, I'm now. I'm not good at math. But yeah, I'll take your <laughs> word for it. But uh, so there you go. Um... So, G.I. Jolie, be sure to watch that episode. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> listeners, we are going to be reviewing every single episode of this cartoon going forward. So, be sure to tune in. We'll be covering the whole show now. Um, so, there you go. I want to thank Josh and G.I. Jolie for joining me this week. This has been a fun discussion. Yeah, super fun. Yep. And be sure to check out our special episode with Abby which you can see on Facebook and YouTube. It's a special episode where she helps us review the first episode. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah. We want to uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us reviews or, you know, keep in contact with us. Let us know what you guys think about the episode and the, the, the shows or the comics that we're talking about. Um, you can find us, Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter at the Comic Book Syndicate. Um, yeah, let's let's stay in touch. Think about any like better names for the spot. There Honestly, you go. I kind of like Polka the dot. spot. I mean, come on, it's classic. But uh, Doctor yeah. Dimension, okay. Doctor Dimension, maybe yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep that comics conversation going. All right. So until next Monday, see you later.